Welcome back to another installment of A Curious Man in Japan, covering Nippon-centric topics, discussion, and information. This is Unagi, and of course, I'm not alone in the studio. Hey Unagi, Dino here. Super excited to be back in the studio with you. I gotta say, I love your introduction. That has got to be one of the best introductions that uh, is currently being done in podcasting, I gotta say. Well, thank you, Dino. That that means a lot. But you know, it's for the listeners. It's for them. <laughs> We're really more like a dynamic duo, the two of us. We're our two hearts combined, and uh, we're, we're a lot like uh, Captain Planet almost. You know, we, we just kind of we look up at the stars, we see each other's reflection, and we become one curious man in Japan. Well, that's on another tangent. On today's show, we're going to talk about the bread and butter of the Japanese world, or should I say the mochi and red bean. <laughs> that might be a bit more fitting. Unagi, I don't know where you find these articles, but they've got to be some of the craziest stories I have ever heard of. How terrible it must be to be taken out by mochi. I mean, you make it into your golden years, you you think that you, you've got it on easy, you're, you're on easy street now. All of a sudden, you take that bite of mochi and it's the last thing you do. I mean, to be taken down by pounded rice. Pounded rice. I mean, how, how, many, how many other calamities must this person have, have uh, overcome, dodged, all of a sudden... Pounded rice, sticky rice, comes together, and it just, no more. Yeah, Dino, it's, it's almost comically unbelievable, but in reality, this is, this is no joke. This is no laughing matter. This happens every year that there are deaths linked to mochi, uh, specifically choking uh, hazards uh, that, are, that are fatal. Not only is this terrible because of the loss, but it also falls under the category of not the kind of way I want to go. I don't want anything to happen to me that can get reported and people to be able to write a news story about it. I want to go in some unfantastical way that has nothing to do with pounded rice has nothing to do with a, a pastrami sandwich. I just want to go uh, in a very peaceful way that people can't go, ooh, how ironic. <laughs> I, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, definitely low-key uh, would be the way to go. But before we get too ahead of ourselves, um, mochi, um, do you think it's is it safe to assume that globally um, most people are already familiar uh, with mochi, you know, not not just those uh, infatuated with Japanese culture, um, but you know, the the general population uh, is is it pretty standard that that people are are aware of of mochi? I'm pretty sure that uh, most of our listeners are familiar with mochi. I I would say it's probably at the udon or potentially soba level of familiarity for most people. Maybe sakura. Uh, you know, I don't. Something along those lines. Yeah, I think thanks to the media, um, internet nowadays, the exposure of a lot of these cuisines, uh, specifically Japanese cuisines, have 
have uh, went far beyond uh, the shores of Japan, and I think you know that's a great thing. Uh, it's it's like mochi in this case. Mochi is it's it's really a wonderful a wonderful dish that has so much uh, so much variety. I would say that uh, for those who don't know what mochi is, uh, a good description would be if somebody got rice and put it into some sort of a wooden bowl. Uh, a large wooden bowl, and started pounding it with as much fury as uh, E Honda would uh, <laughs> would pound in Street Fighter. It is something it it's something to watch if you ever get a chance. Pull it up on YouTube. But uh, watching the cadence of these of these men just pounding away at this rice, they're just pounding and pounding. It it uh, it definitely it's something to behold. At the end of the day, they turn that rice into something that you could probably build a pretty decent wall with if you used it as a type of mortar. But <laughs> it's also delicious. It is versatile. It is tasty. It is just the the zest of Japanese life. Yes, it really is a wonderful thing. It's just so versatile. So many applications and ways to enjoy it. Uh, What's your favorite form of mochi? I remember being a young lad when you first opened my mind and exposed me to sweet, sweet mochi. (laughs) That's coming up as a a foggy memory for me. (laughs) You think Zatarans would be interested in creating some sort of a uh, a red bean uh, version of American mochi? That sounds like something you could see, right? Because you see see that that Zatarans red beans and rice. I wonder if you could have Zatarans mochi and red bean. <laughs> that's a, that's a market segment that they are missing out on, and they should they should capitalize on that as soon as possible. Uh, but I don't know. Um, it always seems like most of those, you know, red bean items and even mochi-related stuff seems to be usually uh, isolated on the so-called Oriental Isle. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I think there's a little bit of hesitation uh, from from the Western uh, community, at least for the general person. Um, I don't know. What do you, what do you think, Dino? I think in the West, it could be a texture thing. I think people just aren't willing to give mochi the kind of respect it deserves. They They see it as kind of um, uh, too gooey or too sticky or just they might they might take a bite and not really savor it. They might not really appreciate it for everything that it is. I'd say my favorite mochi is probably the frozen, uh, this is probably very uh, pedestrian of me, but it's the frozen ice cream one where uh, I think that's pretty much the only kind of mochi you can find here in the grocery store. Um, you know, the ones filled with ice cream. Or potentially, if you go to a restaurant, you can get uh, mochi that's filled with, uh, I guess, still ice cream. But, uh, yeah, you don't see too much red bean and mochi here. Mochi red bean. I really do think that Zatarans needs to expand their market, diversify, maybe... Maybe this is how they'll they'll break into uh, into the Japanese market. Zatarans, red beans, and mochi. 
<laughs> we are not uh, being sponsored by Zatarans, by the way, um, yet. Uh, but uh, Zatarans, if you're listening, feel free to sponsor this this uh, channel. I I think we would all appreciate it very much. <laughs> you know that uh, the the mochi with the ice cream inside though it it's pretty popular in Japan too. Uh, it's called the yukimi yukimi daifuku over here. So that one is pretty good. But you know again that that shows the the versatility of mochi. It's it's good in its frozen form. It's good in its fresh form. There's just so many angles uh, with uh, with mochi. And in fact, there are specific times of the year that it's celebrated and specifically appreciated. Notably in the autumn season, uh, during what's known as Tsukimi, uh, literally watching the moon festival, kind of like Hanami, where you watch the cherry blossoms. You know, mochi is is really in the media. Uh, it's at a lot of a lot of the restaurants, and they're promoting um, enjoying mochi at that time of the year, as well as at the end of the year during Oshogatsu, where a lot of people put mochi into the traditional dishes and enjoy it with the family. As the legend goes, if you look directly at the moon at the precise time, there will be two rabbits pounding away at at mochi. They're they're making it in the moon, and um, that kind of correlates with the process of making mochi. Uh, it's always a two-man job, where one person is pounding it with with this traditional uh, hammer-like tool and uh, the the counterpart is repositioning the mochi and then they just repeat you know pound reposition pound reposition it's uh it's kind of an amazing thing to witness i really i really love watching people make mochi it is one of the craziest things that you'll ever see because there's so much energy put into making the mochi and it sounds like somebody is trying to you know, summon <laughs> mochi uh, into existence because you, these guys are just pounding away with their gigantic wooden mallets the size of, you know, like toddlers. And then uh, there's, all, I, I don't recall if there's a third person there or if one of the people pounding is just yelling like at the exact same time, calling out orders so that you keep a cadence. It is like uh, watching someone be scolded and at the same time, watching people build uh, something magnificent. You might also see mochi in the form of a, like a small snowman, um, where it has two pieces of round pieces of mochi stacked on top of each other. And this is said to um, link to Shintoism. Uh, this form of mochi is called kagami mochi. Kagami meaning mirror. And there is a significance of the mirror in Shinto belief. Also, um, I was reading about the deep meaning of mochi um, correlating with a concept called onmyo, onmyo do, the way of the light and the darkness in the human heart. So it's really, really fascinating stuff if uh, if you dig, dig up the, the traditional background behind mochi. It's more than just a, a fun, sticky treat um, during the year. It, it also has a cultural significance. That has got to be one of the deepest and most meaningful explanations of mochi that I've ever heard in English. Uh, I'm fairly certain that you should probably be teaching the art of mochi in some form of college classroom. 
uh, I feel sufficiently awful about kidding uh, about Mochi now. Uh, I can clearly see that it's no laughing matter. Japanese people do love their mochi, even considering the danger. Yeah, I, I think it would be hard to just stop eating it, you know, seeing that it has so much history and cultural significance in Japan. Well put, well put. I know uh, we, we kid, we kid, but uh, definitely it really is a huge part of Japanese culture. I think that uh, definitely it's something that uh, you should try, that you should appreciate, that you should realize how fundamental it is to, uh, to all these, these special times of the year. And um, you ever think to yourself that uh, if somebody had told these people who, uh, who get taken out by mochi that one day, like let's say where they, they were young, and all of a sudden one day somebody came up to them and said, never touch that stuff. It, it'll kill you one day. Do you think uh, they would never take it for, I mean, it, it, imagine somebody telling me, never touch fried chicken again. It'll take you out one day. I'd say, oh. Come on, I I think that I know a little bit about fried chicken, but maybe if I did believe them, I might still eat fried chicken. So maybe that's the way they feel about mochi. <laughs> Thanks again for tuning in. I hope we inspired some people to make some time and enjoy the sticky goodness that mochi is. Thanks so much, Unagi. Uh, great topic this week. Happy to uh, have our second episode uh, under wraps. And uh, thank you to the listeners. Hopefully they found this explanation of mochi to be fulfilling, uplifting, uh, eye-opening perhaps. Uh, Be sure to stop by and check out uh, more content as we post. We'll uh, we'll have to catch you on the flippity-flop. Do people still say flippity-flop? Does that make me sound like an old man, Unagi? I hope not. Because then I would be susceptible to being uh, a victim of mochi. And thank you for that, Dino. It's always good to be curious, but equally important to be cautious. This is Unagi, and we'll be back with more content straight from Japan. So stay tuned. Mochi is kind of like the the grandfather that I never knew.